is happening, everybody? This is your main man, Chuck Livingston. Joined, as always, by my two faithful uh, partners in crime, Logan Livingston and Colby Yarbrough. Fellas, talk up. What's up, everybody? What's going on? Uh, this is your latest edition of the Hogcast uh, this week. Uh, we have so much stuff going on. we got another great show for you lined up. Um, uh, Logan and Colby were able to line up two um, big-time interviews. Um We'll tell you about those later on. Just want to get you a teaser. We're going to lead off with hoops. Uh, I'm still steaming mad about the ending to the uh, Florida game yesterday. Um, you know, you always hear about refs saying, um, you know, we don't want to decide the game in the final minutes. We're going to swallow our whistles. We're going to do this. Why you would want to interject yourself into the middle of a uh, of a heated contest like the, uh, the Florida game yesterday is beyond me. Uh, it was an out-and-out travesty. Mike Anderson even said so after the game. Um I'm disappointed as a fan. Mike had to be disappointed as a coach. I feel like we're all uh, – you guys help me make sense of this. What, what, I mean, that was all ball, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Harris hater, but he definitely got all ball there. There was no foul um, at all. And the thing that kills me the most, if you look at the free throws shot in that game, we shot seven free throws. They shot 25. That's just well, I mean, nasty. Well, I, well, I mean, I mean, it's not like we, you know, specialize on driving to the basket and playing an up-tempo style or anything. That. Oh, wait, that's exactly what we're freaking <laughs> doing, talking about. That's insane. That's a fix. That's a fixed job all the way. It's yeah. terrible. Well, Mike actually said before the game, he talked to the head official, and he said that, you know, he was worried about that guy because he's had problems with him with him before. And obviously Mike came out in that interview afterwards and just put that guy on straight-up blast. He was just like, you know, I'm very disappointed with the refereeing in this, uh, in this game. Uh, you know, fine, be, whatever the fine will be, you know. He's, he's just going to go ahead and put that guy on blast. And I respect that because that was atrocious. That was terrible. Well, you know, and that's a game that – I'll go ahead, Colby. I'm sorry. I was going to say there's conspiracy theories going around that I've seen from Ugly Uncle that um, the guy actually went to Kentucky around the same time John Pelfrey did. Right. And then he refed the Florida game, which, you know, Pelfrey's assistant, and then he refed the last year's Florida game at Arkansas. And uh, actually Florida shot uh, 10 more free throws at Arkansas last year than Arkansas did. I don't know. I'm not buying that, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, I can so, see it because that's two straight times he's put this, put the fix in. You know, that's a uh, you know, and it, you brought up the other aspect of it, Colby, that really bothers me. Any time that we lose to a, a team that's affiliated with John Pelfrey makes me want to swallow Drano. <laughs> and uh, and you know, I mean, they showed him over there. He's wearing his suit from the Al Capone collection with the pinstripes and whatnot. You know, that killed me. The officiating killed me. You know, and here's the thing: the Florida loss not a bad loss. It's on the road. They're a decent team. I think they're going to figure it out. Maybe even you know, flirt with a tournament bid. That's not what I'm talking about. The, the problem I have with it is that Arkansas played so hard, wasted a, a heroic play by my main man, Anton Beard, uh, offensive rebound and a driving layup late in the game to put us up by one. Uh, that's all almost for naught now because this guy just – and, again, Florida had their opportunity. They missed the first shot. We should have been on the boards, but they missed their first shot, and then you just – you get them off the hook. You let them off the hook. Like, I don't want to sound like Denny Green, but I feel like I'm going to. That, that, that's a terrible job. Terrible job. Um, and now, like, I, even, like, you've got, like, Dan Wolkin. You've got even Pat Forty, who's a known Razorback uh, hater, like, sort of speaking out on Twitter yesterday, like, wow, I'm not sure about that call. When you've got every – like, even unbi- – I feel like even if you call Billy Donovan by himself, hey, Billy, what do you think about that foul call? Well, man, we, we lucked out there, didn't we? It's terrible. It's a terrible job. I hope your buddy Pelfrey takes care of you, but he's never going to get another head coaching job, dude. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, son. Even the player that got fouled, they asked him, they asked him if it was a foul, and he's like, I don't know. I, I just know that the ref blew the whistle. And so he pretty much said it wasn't a foul. By the way, by the way, give Frazier credit. Those were two big free throws, uh, okay, late in the game. And uh, to go to the line and sink them like that after being fouled so hard, um, I mean, definitely just 100%. You know, that's, that's a clutch thing. You mean but, block so hard. Block. <laughs> hey. I, I mean, I, I do have to give Frazier credit, but yeah, that 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 was a bad job, bad job by the whole crew uh, to decide a game essentially. You know, um, you, I, you know, if you call it on the floor, you know, it, I didn't know the free throw disparity was that bad until you said something. But now I'm looking at it, and that's complete, that's unacceptable in a one point game. And uh, another bad thing is uh, Anton Beard after he made the shot to put Arkansas up, he got knocked down. He got fouled. He, yeah, he exactly. Actually, he was actually fouled. And I'm like, you know, it's late in the game. It's probably a good no call. And then you go the other end, and it's clearly a block, and it's like they anticipate the call and yeah. call it. For, Arkansas should have boxed him out, and it should never happen in the first place. But it's like, you know, it 
it continues to happen. My thing that bothers me about the rest is they're so inconsistent. They let a bunch of things go in the first half, and then they just start blowing the whistle in the second half, mainly against Arkansas. Yeah. And so, it, it, I, you know, I don't know what it is. It's been the problem for years, and I honestly think it really hurts the league. And, it, you know, if you're top SEC, you, you know, the commissioner, commissioner or what, I, you know, I think you have to – you need to do something about this because it's definitely – you want a team like Arkansas to win, um, I think, because you want someone else up there with Kentucky. You know, this league – even – Kentucky fans say it when Arkansas is doing better in this league and as a whole is a better league. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Because as hard as they were letting them play in the first half, there's no way that that should have been a foul. I was kind of like, because I actually tweeted about it during the game. I was like, man, they're letting these guys play. Like, they're, I liked it. As soon it. as you say that, they yeah. got beard for a re- Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what are you guys doing? But yeah, I, um, I agree with you, Colby. I, it really hurts the league because Arkansas is one of the hotter teams in the league this year. I know it's, it's pretty normal, uh, to try to protect Florida in basketball because they're normally our, our prodigal son, but you know, or football or, yeah, any, or anything because you know, freaking yeah. Florida, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, if we're, I mean, Florida's a borderline tournament team, whereas Arkansas really winning this game is going to affect some seating in the tournament potentially. Uh, if we continue to keep playing like we've been playing. So it's a little it, disheartening. Here's a stat for you. Free throws attempted 25 to seven Florida. That's ridiculous. Anyway, second half free throws attempted 17 to six Florida. Um, there you go. It's a one-point game. You shoot uh, eleven more free throws than the than the visitors. Good job. Good job, SEC. And I thought Arkansas probably played one of their better games defensively. Of course, Michael yes. Falls wasn't on point. He didn't have his best game. And there's a couple stretches where they kind of relaxed on defense and played the best. But overall, I thought it was one of their best defensive games. And um, you know, I, I seen a little move more movement in offense, and they seem like they're trying to get, uh, you know, or uh, force the ball more. So I thought overall it was a good game. But when you're getting outshot that many times in the free throw line against a decent team, Florida's record's not very good right now. I think they're just barely above 500. But 13 they and play, nine. But they played some really close games. They were up 17 yeah. on Kansas, ended up losing, and they they were on a, a couple other teams that they they almost beat. So they were they're really close. I think they're a, a pretty good team, and you're playing the road. I mean, it was just you know that's what kind of sucks about that call. Is this would have been a big win for Arkansas? First of all, we always think that Arkansas needs to get four road wins. That would give them three, with still two of the worst teams coming up on the road: Mississippi State and Auburn. So I mean, you pretty much ensure yourself of getting at least four to five road wins, and uh, you know it's a game that no one thought we'd win to begin the year. So you know that that kind of hurts. But um, you know, I guess you just gotta pick yourself up and move on to the next game. Yeah, the problem that that's all with it was, um, that, yeah, like you said, that's a game that we all were kind of, you know, but. Was I mean was that our best road performance of the I, year? Like I think it was better than Georgia essentially because we didn't I, dig that deficit. I mean we yeah, got down I, nine, but and, and I think Georgia it was you know we didn't play so hot in the first half, but the, and then we picked up in the second half. I thought for the Florida game we played pretty good the whole game. There were spurts where we you know go and score in droughts or you know we'd uh, play pretty bad defensively, but overall that's what I was most impressed. I thought our defense uh, played better than it has in a while. And there's still, you know, glaring weaknesses of mistakes they're making. But uh, overall, I thought it was one of their best performances. I thought that Alonis Harris had a good game. And then I look at the box score, and I'm taking that back. <laughs> turnovers. Yeah, he had six turnovers and only three points in 25 minutes. Man. That's it awesome. says here in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Arkansas, or Landis Harris had 18 turnovers in his first 19 games. So that seems to be a little bit out of the ordinary, uh, a little high. You know, he was averaging – just under one per game but uh yeah when you consider that arkansas turned it over 16 times as a team and six of them came from one player who granted did play 25 minutes that now you're sort of looking at it like oh man like um could we have played five on four instead of a landis and you know maybe not turned it over <laughs> he did uh, play pretty good defense though I will yeah say he's that. fine yeah yeah but and that was also good to see anton beard get 31 minutes of play time i thought he was phenomenal Hey, and guess what? He produced. He shot produce. four of eight from the field, ten points, and again hit the biggest shot of the day for Arkansas. Uh, that really should have been the game winner. Uh, I'm judging you pretty hard right now, SEC. Like that, I, <laughs> I can't get out. Like it took me a long time to get over the the Florida game, football game in '09, as well as the Auburn game in '10. But uh, what are you talking about? This, I'm still not over that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember '10 forever. '10, that Auburn game is way worse. '10 was me. an out because yeah. because we're already outmanned. You know, we're, we're down to our backup. You know, Tyler Wilson's a pretty good quarterback, but he's still our backup at the time. Didn't have a lot of game experience, and he's just throwing darts. And they would not let us win that game. I'm judging you, SEC. You know, hey, hey, do better. Like as Logan always says about everything, do better. Like y'all, like it's. You're getting clowned on by, like, everybody across the nation because that was terrible. That was on national television, a prime slot, noon uh, 
noon central time on CBS. Everybody's watching that game, and you decide the game. You, I mean, that, uh, that uh, takes all the fun out of it, because I know a lot of people sure. that I saw that weren't even Razorback or Florida fans that were watching the game. Like, man, this is a fun game. Like, it's real fast paced. Sure, sure. A lot of stuff going on, and then it gets decided by a bogus foul call. So A garbage, trash foul call. It's bad on college basketball as a whole, really, because, I mean, just somebody on a Saturday waking up watching some college basketball, they're like, man, the game ended like that, for real. Right, exactly. Instead of, you know, you know, it's fine at Florida. You know, if they'd hit a jumper to win it, you know, your hat's off to them. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, hey, hey, congratulations, Florida. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully you and your, you know, your this springboards you to a hot finish because, you know, Arkansas made the points now for seeding because uh, the SEC <laughs> saw it fit to do that. Now, uh, the Florida game wasn't the only contest that uh, Arkansas played this week. In fact, they uh, got a little bit of revenge back home in, uh, in Fayetteville against uh, the University of Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, obviously, Tennessee won the first game in Knoxville, and the Hawks came back, and it was this, still the same sort of game, low-scoring, tight game. Uh, the Razorbacks were able to pull this one out. Uh, guys, uh, what did you think about the Tennessee win? I, I think Tennessee's just a bad matchup from Arkansas. That matchup zone it gives them problems, and you know, I just feel like Arkansas is fortunate to come out with the win. I um, mean, this is a team I, I don't want to see in the SEC tournament because, you know, with the neutral side, I, you know, I could I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee knocked Arkansas out. But, you know, Tennessee's a pretty good team right now, and I think they're – I think they maybe have the same record as us in SEC play, um, you know, a lot better than people thought at the beginning of the year. So, you know, it's it wasn't um, – you know, it wasn't like we just barely beat a, you know, a, a no, you know, good team at all. But, you know, at least we got the win and, uh, you know, hopefully learn from things, you know – course that last play the guy was wide open for three right. you know the threes is what beats us and three people in the lane jumped to try to block him and mike anderson said even he told him in the huddle that you know a th- two don't beat us and a three is what does and they still did the same thing so hopefully it's something they can watch some game film and learn from um you know i know they had the same kind of mistake in previous games but hope it's something they can learn for- from and You'd rather learn from uh, barely winning a game than losing in overtime or something. Yeah, that play was drawn up perfectly, too, because that guy was wide open. Like, I mean, there wasn't anybody within 10 feet of that guy when he shot that three. And, and whose man was that that came in to try to stop the two, even though the three beat you? I don't know. I think I think all five Razorbacks were in the paint for some reason. Oh, Lance. my boy. My boy. Now, he's well, done a lot of good things. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep bagging on him, but, you know, he, he's, uh, he's improved a lot here lately. Now, Harris, I mean, there's times in games where I'm like, man, he's, he's really hustling. Like, even the Florida game, like, I didn't look at the box score. I was just watching the game, and he was hustling. He was trying real hard. I didn't really think he did that bad, but then I looked at the box score, and I'm like, man, what happened? Like, how does that happen? So, I don't know. I feel like he, I feel like he does play extraordinarily hard. Um, again, unlike some other guys on the team. So, I mean, I give and I give a guy credit for playing hard. Uh, that is sort of damning. Um the, uh, the, the the box score when you look at it after the fact. But, um, you know, Tennessee, I'm with Colby. I think it's just one of those matchup deals. You know, a lot of people look at the Vols and they, they know they've been down for a couple of years and they, they say, oh, okay, well, Arkansas should roll them. Well, I mean, Arkansas has been down too. And Tennessee, you, you know, you forget that they lost Jarnell Stokes to the NBA draft and they're still plugging away. I mean, Tennessee's right there at 5-3 and three in the conference just like Arkansas. So if you think Arkansas is good, you have to think Tennessee's good. And, um, again, splitting that series – Especially considering you lost on the road, then you know that's that's a pretty good win. It was good good of us to get back and uh, sort of pull that off. Uh, I'm just liking all the national love. You know, I know the SEC network was always going to uh, was always going to help uh, Arkansas out in that area, but like there been a lot of games on television this year and like some prime slots Thursday nights, Tuesday nights, mm-hmm. Saturday afternoons, uh, and we've earned some of that certainly. Uh, you know, being you know having a good team, having a good record, and things like that. But um, so um, you know, so that's been exciting as well. I will say about the Tennessee matchup, uh, Jacory Williams ho- was so sick at the at the matchup that he just went and vomited on half the team on the bench, yeah. <laughs> especially Beard. Yeah, poor guy, man. Like I feel so bad for him. I didn't even I missed all that happening. I just turned it over there, and Beard had a new jersey on. I was like, what's going on? And he <laughs> talked about it. And before we get we get uh, done talking about basketball, I just want to talk more about Anton Beard. Uh, you know, I think he brings just like a you know, he's just a gritty player. Kind of, we talked about, you know, Nolan's teams. They had, you know, Corey Beck. Just guys are just tough. And, I mean, they might not score the most points, but they, they, they did everything else that might not go to this or notice on the uh, stats, you know, uh, forcing turnovers, you know, or whatnot. And I feel like that's what Anton Beard does. You know, he's been, he's been offensively doing good numbers, but he's a guy that, you know, uh, 
been really good defensively. He gets in kind of, you know, uh, he'll double team down the post sometimes, you know, strip the ball. He's just always there and, and always making plays. When, when he's in the game, I know they do on the uh, stat sheet, they do the plus minus um, when a player's in. I think he's always in the plus when he's in. And he's just, you know, kind of them just, you know, blue-collar guy, you know. And I think Arkansas can just get more players like him. I mean, especially this system. I mean, uh, it's going to be, you know, amazing. And, you know, I think his future's bright. He, he don't look like a freshman out there. I'll tell you, Anton Beard, uh, I was covering a North Little Rock-West Memphis basketball game last year at Lair Arena. And, uh, and Beard, like, you know, Kavon Allen wasn't really on that night. K.J. Hill wasn't having a great night. Uh, but but uh, Beard made all the plays down the stretch uh, to help the Charging Cats get a win. This was last year. He was at Parkview the two years before that. And uh, I was immediately I, – I jumped – I founded the, the, the fan club because he had already committed to Arkansas. And I said, man, this guy's going to be something. And, you know, I was like – because he can shoot it, he can handle it. And, uh, again, he's not a star, you know. I mean, he – well, unless you just like guys who make all the right plays, you know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm partial to guys like that, but you know, he, you know, you look at his stats, you know, and the, he puts up some stats, you know, but they're not like mind mind blowing, but um, but he, he's always there. He always seems to make uh, winning plays, you know, like you talk about, you know, he was right place at the right time for the offensive rebound. I mean, he's a freshman, he's a true freshman. He's now starting for Arkansas, who's a tournament team, uh, assuming they keep taking care of business. And uh, yeah, Colby's right. Like he he's fit right in. Like you don't even think about him. Man, he was hooping high school ball this time last year. No, he's like, you look at him, you're like, man, he's the best guard Arkansas's got other than Michael Qualls consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing you always look at with the young players, the consistency. And for a, a guy like that to to be consistent, wow. You know, I mean, he's uh, he just plays, uh, you know, beyond his years. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, if he, I mean. If he plays there for four years, he could really do some some great things at the university. So yeah, I'm hoping he um, keeps getting the minutes because I know early like it's still really the Florida game. He wasn't getting significant minutes, but he got 31 minutes in that game, and I think it's well deserved. So hopefully that continues going forward. And he started against uh, Missouri and uh, I think Florida was his first start actually. Was it? I thought it was yeah, like he started. I, I think against he got a lot of minutes in Missouri, especially. Or did he start now. against? Oh, maybe that was yeah. Did he start against? Okay, so maybe it was for anyway. We're, we're all fans of Beard here, Anton. <laughs> we're, we're, you're our guy. We're, we're, we're um, just can't say enough good things. Just keep doing you, man. You know what I'm saying? Because I know you're listening. I know you're listening. <laughs> uh, all right, now uh, we're gonna throw this now. Uh, Logan and Colby were able to secure. Uh, uh, actually, I'll, I'll let Logan or Colby uh, do the lead into this, guys. Yeah. So we uh, we got Murph Baldwin uh, to do an interview with me and Colby earlier. Uh, he's from Saturday Down South. He's had a couple of really big Arkansas articles uh, that have been posted here recently. <laughs> Uh, towards uh, the Enos hiring offensive coordinator and KJ Hill. So we're going to post that here and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Hey, everybody, we got a special segment today. Uh, we've got Murph, Murph Baldwin from Saturday Down South with us. Murph, how you doing this morning? Doing fantastic, man. Can't wait to talk to you guys. Big fans of the podcast, so. We appreciate it. With me. Yeah, definitely. We've, uh, we've been reading your articles. Got a lot of Razorback stuff uh, getting pumped out here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, did it, man. Did a couple of took a couple of articles, man. Did some big numbers and some a lot of um a lot of media behind it. I did about four different radio shows and and I'm doing the great podcast here, so it's pretty cool, man. To be able to get some of that love from um, Razorback Nation. Yeah, you've been Go ahead. <laughs> I said, hey Murph, you talked a little about in your article um, about Enos's uh, philosophy. Can, can you uh, go into detail about how it differs from Cheney's and how it uh, better meshes with uh, Coach Bielema's? Okay, yeah. Um, see, that was pretty much the premise behind the um, first article I did when Enos got hired. It was a, it was funny. I originally um, did a story about KJ Hill that was to be published on um, that particular Friday, but I believe Enos was hired on that uh, Thursday. I believe so. I had to really get cracked and then pump up some copy on that but it was pretty easy because i was already um familiar with his philosophy from um from a, a mutual friend of mine and um a buddy of mine uh, it was javon ringer who was at michigan state when he knows his first year as a running back coach and he took him to like 1500 yards so and um i also did some work on eric fisher for a draft website and of course that was um his number one pick they ended up going to the uh, Chiefs, I believe. And um, so I was already familiar with his power run game and his, and his use of the two tight set. And um, he likes to use reduced splits. And he loves the power run game. And he likes tendency breakers. He loves to run out of shotgun and 
do go out of play action face from under center and just different different things like that that really messes well with what Bielema does because and that's that's his game. Um, it's always great to have two guys that that are very similar in philosophy because if you think about Cheney, we know him from the spread attack at Tennessee and um, his work, I believe, under Dooley. And those guys like to go for wide, and he likes to um, really key in on the vertical game, um, different run principles and stuff like that. So when you would watch the Arkansas with, under Cheney, you could tell that Cheney wasn't really being able to do what he w- wants to do. So he probably bought him in, which makes mistake. I mean, which which makes sense to bring someone in to add different variables to your offensive philosophy. So. If you like Bielema, you're like, well, I might not be the best at knowing how to spread defenses out and attack it that way, or I might not have the best um, vertical concepts in my in my offensive philosophy. So let me get this guy. But I didn't really see much of that anyway, so it's no really no telling what Cheney was actually doing. So <laughs> why not get a guy that that believes in what you believe in, and you guys can derive different principles and different concepts from there. And just make it make it worth both you guys' while, and you both be implementing your thing. So, no matter who comes in there, we already know that it's Coach Bielema's offense, and they're going to do what he does. But if you bring somebody who is already doing what he does, I bet you he gets a lot more leeway than what Cheney did. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I know we had some head scratching moments throughout the year with Jim Cheney here. We had our own uh, fan club for him and all his uh, kind of unpredictable unpredictable play calling. but yeah, you already answered one of the next questions. I was gonna ask about you know the lack of screen pass and not running really out of shotgun because Cheney would never do that. If we were in the shotgun, the other team was just teeing off on the pass game because they knew that's what we were gonna do. Uh, I was just gonna say like, do you think Cochinos is gonna mix that up some more? And for the fan base, do you think um, we'll be a little more happier with the with the play calling? Because uh, I know Cheney was frustrating a ton of fans here at Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, see the thing about play calling, man. Is, I mean, it's it's kind of subjective, you know. Because I mean, you could go to access Central Michigan people, and they'd be like, "I don't like Enos's play calling." It's like everybody always likes somebody else's play calling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just going to be like that. But I mean, if you really like what Bielema is doing, I believe that the play calling can can definitely get a little bit better just from from being able to derive a lot of different concepts out of the same format. You know, like if you're in 22 personnel, and you got two tight ends and two running backs being able to to have a bunch of different run plays out of that um it could be edge bending run plays or you can be in your between the tackles run game you can come back and set that up from your having to go vertical to having your tight ends go vertical or you can put them in that backfield and and just different ways to do that so so that's where you you get your screen game from or even your tight end screen game your running back screen game wide receiver screen game um, it's just about being able to get the most out of out of your different personnel groupings, and I believe Enos does that. So, if you're looking for more variation in the play calling, I think we will see that. You know, it's like you said, if you're in shotgun with Cheney, it's going to be a pass, but it's not his fault. I mean, that's his that's his game. You know, <laughs> you know, he likes to dictate to the offense by spreading by spreading you out and maybe jumping in shotgun and, and, and delivering from there. So, yeah, it was that's just why it's just good. Go ahead. It was frustrating during the year because, I mean, obviously Brandon Allen had his struggles throughout the year, but um, it was like we were playing left-handed, playing in the shotgun because they were already going after him. Uh, they knew what we were going to do. So I felt like with our mm-hmm. personnel, that wasn't a very smart move because Brandon was already, you know, not the greatest quarterback in the conference, but um, it, it made him even less effective, I feel. Yeah, I can, I can definitely agree with that. But I think that Cheney did a good job of having him protect the ball, so maybe he knew a lot of his limitations and um and, and at the very at the very least, you want him to protect the ball because it's a running back driven offense, and it's a um, small ball offense that likes to go to the tight ends and work the quick game in the short to intermediate area. So at the very least, you want him to protect the ball. So if you want to go vertical, and so maybe that's when he becomes a, a turnover machine. You know, he has yeah. some turnovers and some key moments and stuff like that. But for the you got to admit that he at least protected the ball. That is true. He was definitely he definitely did that. I'm interested in hearing more about Eno as a personnel, a preference, um, you know, especially the 30 personnel. Um, I, I guess could they use like a tight end or two tight ends in the backfield or is it just, uh, just mainly for running backs, I guess, in the backfield? Yeah. See, the thing about that is is if, we're, if you're doing 30 personnel, a lot of people are going to think it's three running backs and um, no tight ends. Uh, but it's depending on how you have them positioning. So 
Arkansas, suppose you took someone like just in, the, in their last year's personnel, if you put Hunter Henry and A.J. Derby in the backfield, they're, they're lined up in the backfield. That's 30 personnel. Even though it's two tight ends, they could be lined up there. And then if you were to stay in that similar personnel, maybe if you went with a sugar huddle, and if you wanted to you know, take your time and draw out the clock and, and do a little bit of a sugar huddle, sugar huddle, you could put both of those guys and then spread them out and then put them both at the tight end. And, or you can take Hunter Henry and you can put him out wide. You know, It's like you got that personnel grouping, but you're able to do a lot of different things from it. So I like the 30 personnel um, in his. It looked like he had a, um, a tight end and a running back back there. So it could shift to a pro eye and, or it could – put the running back in a slide or just different ways when you break the huddle. So it's what you want most from your coach and your offensive coach is a tendency breaker. So you see a 30 personnel, you're going to think it's a power set. But they actually went vertical from that. So it's just like, oh, wow, we weren't expecting that. We were expecting a run, and they went vertical on us. So it's about doing the unexpected. I guess for me, um, I was going to ask real quick. Uh, for me personally, I'm not uh, X's and O's guy. I also know, and some of our listeners as well, if you could explain the personnel, like the numbers, the 12, 22, and 20. Okay. All right. Um, if you said 12 personnel, you just go from, you know, it's going to be five targets on that. So it would be one back, two tight ends, and then that would leave you with one receiver. So if it's two, 22 personnel, you know, you got two backs and two tight ends. Leave you with one receiver. Thirty personnel, you got three backs, no tight ends. We'll leave you with a couple of receivers, just like that. It's just a way to get to your five targets and um, just go from your back to tight end with the with the different digits there. So eleven personnel, one back, one tight end, three receivers, and there you have it. Nice. So it's about when you call that personnel grouping, it's about where they're going to line up, but it's more about who you have in the game. So, you know, you still got a couple of tight ends, even though those tight ends could be in the backfield or they could be out wide. So it's still that particular personnel grouping that they call it when you're coming out of the huddle. I know, I know as a fan um, or base, or maybe or even a recruit, like you're, if you see Bill in the system, you don't think of quarterbacks or wide receivers putting up big numbers. Um, but, you know, I was looking over Coach Enos's, uh a career and he's had you know a quarterback go over 3,000 yards before he's had a wide receiver go over a thousand yards and of course he's always had you know some good running backs um can you explain I you know I guess as an OC his success with the quarterback position wide receiver position yeah so with him having that type of success like there's only there's only so many targets and so many balls to go around so if you got a quarterback that's putting up 3,000 yards maybe you don't have that extra running back. So Arkansas has two running backs that go over 1,000 yards. You know, you're not going to get 10,000 yards of total offense. And yeah. It's only so much you can get. So, <laughs> we, so we if you think about it, and people, yeah, if you think about, like, a receiver, and you're like, man, he doesn't have any 1,000-yard receivers like Bielema coming from Wisconsin or whatever like that. But you have to look. He would have three tight ends that have, like, four and 500 yards. So it's just a different way of, of, of spreading that. So, um um, and he also have a, um, a uh, one running back. You know, he wasn't making use of the two running backs. So one running back will get the majority of the carries, and that's how you would get a 12, 13, 1400 yard um, running back. But of course, Bilma, he's going to want to play the two running back game, which is which is his style and has been his style even at Wisconsin. So you might not have the receivers um, catching that many passes or or getting that many yards. But what you will have is them running the full NFL route tree. You'll have them. Um, you'll have them in favorable coverage because everybody's going to be focused on the tight ends and the running backs. So you really get to. To me, you really get to see what a receiver can do in that type of an offense that Bielema or Enos runs. But they might not put up the numbers. But NFL people aren't really worried about that. They want to see if you can run the full NFL route tree. If you understand defensive concepts and um, can you get open and, and what's your technique and your style off of the jam and different things like that. So. I'm a receiver, I want to go to an Arkansas, like a K.J. Hill. If I'm him, I want to go to Arkansas. Even though you might get more shine at Alabama and all that, but you also be with a, a a team that probably is going to throw the rock to a bunch of five and six different receivers. So unless you're Amari Cooper, who's just a special, special talent, and um, you got Lane Kiffin, who likes to focus on one receiver, if you're not that receiver, you might end up being like a DeAndre White or a Chris Black, who had like two or 300 yards receiving. Yeah, that's so not everybody's going to be a Mari Cooper. So, 
guess but at so. Arkansas, you can get your shine on. So I think like Keon Hatcher might have a pretty pretty decent year, but you got to know it's going to the catches are going to go to Hunter Henry and it's going to go to Jeremy Sprinkle. I guess it's kind of like Hulo Jones was uh, for Alabama a few years ago when they were more power run. Um, you know, he mm-hmm. didn't get as much catches as he probably could have elsewhere, but, you know, he's still, you know, top. Uh, I can't remember what he was picked, but I know he's top 10, and, um, you know, scouts still noticed him. Exactly. Exactly. So, and everybody in the NFL knew that he could run the full route tree. They just wanted to see how it was his hands and um, wanted to see how, how fast he was because they weren't really going vertical in that Alabama that run. Um, Alabama offense, but it worked out well for them. And I think it'll work out well if they were to get a top-flight receiver. But for them to have success, they don't necessarily need a top-flight receiver at Arkansas because of just the way the offense is set up. And to me, you're going to be able to find a lot more tight ends um, than you are going to be able to find top-flight receivers. If you look at their recruiting class now, they look like they have three top-flight tight tight ends coming in. So just imagine where that's going to go. And then, of course, that's going to attract running backs. Go ahead, Logan. Yeah, we had the best recruiting class for tight ends in the country this year. We got, you know, Will Gregg and Chris O'Grady. Um, so those guys are going to be studs, mm-hmm. like you said. So that's going to go a long way. And, yeah, I, I haven't really thought about that, what you talked about with the receivers. But, yeah, like with all the threats we have at tight end and running back, you got to think some receivers are going to be getting open because I know during the year they were they were making sure they had two guys on Hunter Henry throughout the year. They were not going to let him beat them. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, that, no doubt, man. If you look at Hunter, man, that's a that's a special talent. And and he's going to be able to, if you look at back at Wisconsin, man, he had special talents there in Lance Kendrick and Owen Daniel. And um, I'm sorry, my uh, name escapes me right now, but he had another guy that ended up going to the Houston Texas. And he kept tight ends there, and that just kept average receivers like a Nick Toon. Now that we see Nick Toon, not at Wisconsin, and I had to um, cover him when I first started covering the New Orleans Saints, and he was there, and he was horrible. But he looked good at Wisconsin because it's because he had favorable coverage. Definitely. I think one of the things I also wanted to ask real quick was uh, about quarterback development with Enos. I know that he, I think he played mm-hmm. quarterback, right, as well uh, in college. Yep. And um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of, uh, Brandon Allen caught a lot of flack during the year. Um, and I just wanted to know, do you think uh, personally, uh, from your observations of Enos, do you think the, the quarterback coaching of him, do you think that's going to help a lot with Brandon's development next year? I think it will. I think it will. I think that um, I don't think Brandon's mechanics are that bad, and I don't think Cheney did um, that bad of a job coaching him. It's just the fact that he he stayed injured a lot, and if you really look at it, I mean, he didn't really get a chance to play that many games consecutively. Like he, if he weren't, if he wasn't injured and could, it maybe looks like he didn't have enough time to put in in the off season and stuff like that. So if he would have had two or three straight years, I believe with Cheney, I think he would have been fine. And I also don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be, you know. But um, I think that Enos does a great job with mechanics. But more importantly, he does a great job at putting you in favorable situations. And you're always going to look a lot better in favorable situations than you are maybe having to do something that's 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 not in your prerequisite skill set. Yeah, I agree with you so, completely. Uh, I'm glad that our co-host Chuck is not here because he is uh, one of those Brandon Allen uh, haters. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah so, I've listened to the podcast plenty of times. Yeah. I know. Me, me and Chuck, me <laughs> yeah. and Chuck, me and Chuck go round and round, man. So it, it like it warms my heart for you to say that because I'm I'm in your boat, man. I really don't think he's that bad. I know all of the whole his first year starting was injuries. Like he was injured the entire year, mm-hmm. so you can't even really yep. count that as uh, experience because we were, we got killed that year was horrible. I mean, we were three and yeah. nine, and he was injured the whole time, and then even this year. Um, that second half of Missouri, he wasn't even a factor. Like he, I don't even know why he was yeah, still out what there. Happened really. with that? Yeah, I don't know even know why Bielema kept him in. Really, that was a that's that's a whole other topic for another show. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, that's but, an Austin Allen topic right yeah, there. Yeah, like he didn't have the confidence in Austin. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of depressing as well. But um, hopefully, you know, now like you said, the recruit you have coming in though, it should be pretty good in the future, man. I like what I've seen from um, from Ty Story. Oh, yeah. I think that's the kind of I think that's a Bielema kind of quarterback too. So. Yeah, Ty looks really good. Bright for you guys. I agree completely. I'm I'm really excited about it. I think next year, even with Brandon Allen at the helm, I know a lot of people are worried about it, but I think we're going to be just fine. I was actually. I do too, man. Go ahead, Cole. Sorry to change sub- subject, but um, you talked a little bit about your uh, article on KJ Hill. I was actually I was on Facebook and um, I seen the article and I was like, oh, something about you know KJ Hill. Um, start reading it and I looked and it's about you, Murph. And I was like, well, you know, it's awesome because you're about to come on, so we can talk about that. And as we know, it looks like as of now, KJ's not, not won't be coming to Arkansas. Um, so could you talk, I guess. Um, Hog fans off the ledge and explain why they'll be okay if he decides actually he won't come here. 
and some of the current players or you know incoming players that uh, may make up for you know his absence. All right. Well, to me, that goes for like KJ Hill is a is a really good player, but KJ Hill's not the number one receiver in the nation. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't think you lost some kind of generational talent. I think you lost more of a homegrown talent that people were getting behind. And um, uh, you, you you sure he's not coming? I mean, I had some some intel from some. I'm a at, at the heart. I cover Alabama. That's where I came from before I covered Saturday Saturday down south before I um, became with those guys. And um, and I think you actually might be right because I've had some people tell me when he visited Alabama and um and what was going on and what he was saying about Alabama and Ohio State and stuff like that. So I mean, you you've heard that he's for sure not coming, Colby. No, I I, just, I guess we is. I guess we kind of are the recruiting gurus that are from Arkansas, and uh, I guess the fans kind of took it that way because he canceled his uh, uh, official visit with Arkansas this week. I know he's been oh, he to didn't Arkansas. go on that. He didn't. Um, he backed out at the last minute, and um, oh no. Um, so I guess that's why we took it. Of course, he's been to Arkansas a lot, but just kind of all the signs seem like they're they're pointing to uh, you know Ohio State or Alabama. I know um, they did say he'll be picking soon between Ohio State, Alabama, and Arkansas. So Arkansas, I guess, is on the table, but from everything i take it as you know he's probably not coming but you know i could be wrong you know, nothing surprises you in recruiting anymore yeah so and then to me that's when you look at for next year like a, a keon hatcher like a, a, a spotlighted him in the article to me he's the kind of receiver that you need in that offense i know everybody wants to go vertical and they like the fast guys and the guys that can go downfield but that's just not in the in the, the particular game plan, you know. You you want somebody who can win in a quick game, and I think Keon Hatcher is six foot two, two hundred and ten pound receiver. And he's pretty physical. He can win in the short game. He can move those chains. It's going to be a chain moving offense. It's going to be something where they want to possess the ball for a long time. Like Enos, I believe they may have been in the top ten in um, possession total time of possession. So that's when you want to move the chains. You want a receiver who can win in eight to ten yards and, and get that first down for you. And um, if some of the, the like a Michael Petway, I saw him. He looks like a nice, a nice down the field type receiver. He has a long body. And um, I was on um, uh, ninety three three the jock with uh, Mike Irwin, and he mentioned um, I believe it's uh, JoJo Robinson. Yeah, he, JoJo. He yep. said that. Yeah, he said that he was the original K.J. Hill. He said people just have a um, short memory smash, but that was K.J. Hill just last year. And he said those type of receivers, they want you to be strong, and, and they made JoJo redshirt. Yeah, who's to say they wouldn't want to do that to K.J.? So, um, so to me, they want strong receivers, and they want receivers that are uh, that are able to win in the quick and intermediate game. And I believe you're going to find a ton of those for the offense, and, and that's what you want. You'll eventually get one of those vertical guys, but even in getting those vertical guys, it's just not going to be in the offense. It's not going to, what you're going to see a lot in the offense. You may see it two or three times a game, but you may see ten times a game that they're trying to win in the quick game. Yeah. So it depends on what you want. I think a lot of the reason why the fans are still acting so radically to this is because they're still living in the ghost of like Bobby Petrino. They want like fast receivers, yeah. throwing it down the field all the time, and people just got to yeah. understand that's just not how we're going to win games now. I mean, I know we won a lot of games with Bobby Petrino, but I think Dylan was going to get it done. It's just going to be in a different way, um, and that's just something mm-hmm. they're going to have to live with. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, Petrino often it, it's fun. You, no doubt about it. It's fun watching Greg Childs and Jarris Wright and all those guys catch a ton of balls and. Uh, have almost three 1,000-yard receivers and, and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, you talk about sustainable success. There's a reason why Alabama and LSU seems like they're always in it every year. It's because they win from the line of scrimmage, and they're built from the inside out. And I believe Arkansas is building – I mean, I don't believe they are building from yeah. the inside out. And that's going to be something that's going to that's gonna have carryover for the next – for however long Bielema is there. Because you're going to have – you're going to be able to recruit offensive linemen, and that's – and that power run game and that power and that physicality is going to make your defense better. You know, when I played and we were um and I played linebacker and safety, and any time I played on a team that had a spread offense, it always seems like our defense wasn't really that good. But every time we played with one of those physical run run offenses and two tight end sets and all that, it's like our defense was a lot better because that's what you go against in practice. Yep. And it makes you tougher, and I believe that's the reason why the of the defense has such a good turnaround on the Rob Smith. It might have been Rob Smith. It's just the fact that every day you're going against that type of an offense, and it's going to make you tougher. And that's what you're going to see in the Southeastern Conference. What you're going to see against Alabama. That's why they played so well against Alabama to me because 
they were playing against their their particular style of offense. Yeah, they've been playing against it all spring. Shut down LSU. Yep, shut down LSU completely. Well, Murph, I think that's all we got. Um, you can follow Murph on Twitter at Murph Baldwin uh, and read all his articles on Saturday Down South. Uh, I'm assuming you'll be writing about some Razorback stuff in the future as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely get back to some Razorback stuff, but I cover the entire conference, so there's no telling when. I mean, nice. I do love it though. Every once in a while, when I'm able to get the Razorback stuff, because you guys show me a lot of love. But maybe I'll search for some type of Razorback specific site or something, because I really do love covering BLM and I love his his work and I love how he um how his teams play. So nice. Well, I'd lo- I'll, we'd, I'll we'd, search for that. Nice. We'd love to have you on back in a football season, get started, and kind of break down some of the X's and O's throughout the season. So we'll try to keep in touch, right, man? All right, please do. Keep the people up the great work, guys. I love yeah. listening to the podcast. We appreciate it, and thanks yeah. for coming on, yeah. and uh, we'll continue reading your articles. Yeah. I appreciate it, Kobe and Logan. All, All right. right, man, tell my man Chuck next time he needs to be on so he can, we can talk about Brandon Allen. <laughs> there we go. We're going to have a Brandon Allen discussion with Chuck. I love that. All right, thanks, Murph. All thanks, right, guys. Hey. Man, that was uh, – guys, that was great stuff. Murph, thanks for coming on. Uh, I'll be on next time. Uh, well, get, your, you know, get, get your Brandon Allen crow, bro. I'm gonna get my Brandon Allen. Uh, that's a uh, that's a uh, that's intense, man. I don't know what to think about that. You know, uh, certainly that's a polarizing issue. I'd, I'd be glad to talk about it with you. Um, yeah, but no, man. Thanks for coming on. That, that's really great. You know, uh, Saturday Down South, they do some great work over there. Just, you know, a couple of a uh, couple sites that try to do that, but they're they're really uh they really break it down as far as you know numbers things like that. So, uh, man, it's just that's just great stuff, and. Um, Appreciate you taking time out, guys. What do you think about Murph? I thought he did great. You know, especially I was reading, and apparently it's it's about breaking down X's and O's. And I thought he did a great job, and definitely does homework. Has he, he uh, from a friend? He knows um, he knows his work from Michigan State, and so you know he brought a you know great insight that you know we didn't have. And then he broke down the you know personnel as far as twelve, twenty, and thirty, which um, most, you know a lot of people don't. Know. I didn't know until very recently. Yeah, he's just a great, really great personality to talk to. So I can't wait to you know keep working with him. I know it'd be really good to have him with our first year of uh, a new offensive coordinator. Maybe come on during games. So hopefully we can have him during our uh, some more in the future. So that was a really good time. Yeah, exactly. You know, anytime you want to come on, uh, more than welcome. You know, so um, like yeah, you know, obviously it's um, it's t- tough to work out. You know, some of those times or whatever. Man, you know, anytime you're especially during football season. It'd be cool to uh, have that insight because uh, I never played any football, so I don't know. I don't know. Some of that stuff was foreign to me. So, <laughs> um, you know, all right. Now, um, obviously, recruiting still ongoing. Logan kind of referenced KJ Hill earlier, and I imagine that's a topic that we will uh, be talking about at some point. But, Colby, uh, what's new in recruiting? Well, of course, you talked about KJ Hill. He's not going to be make, he didn't make his official this week. And Lamarck Pet- Petway wasn't make, or able to make his official visit, but he had a basketball game. Bielema and Enos and uh, Barry Lunny uh, went down there and visited, uh, uh, seen his basketball game and everything. So it's nothing, nothing bad. You know, he's not going to decommit or anything. He's still going to sign on Wednesday. We did have Brandon Scott, a safety out of uh, uh, New Orleans, come in. He's actually. Um, his position coach is Jericho Nelson, former Razorback. And yeah. So that, that's nice. You know, got a little uh, – Sledgehammer. Exactly. And um, his his high school coach, Coach Ed Reed, and um, he actually made a comparison. He said, I'm not, you know, saying he's as good – or, you know, I don't know how you word it. He said he's not – He's not saying he's Ed Reed, but he's definitely the best player since Ed Reed, and that's saying a lot. Oh. You know, he's putting him in the same sense as Ed Reed, and if he's halfway, I'll take he it. players him. Yeah, exactly. This is I don't know if you, any of y'all have watched this video, but he's a definitely hard hitting safety. Um, you know, I I hope he signs with Arkansas. I think he'd do big things here, especially to position of uh, need. And then uh, the second visitor that Arkansas had this week is Kendrick Jackson. He's also out of Louisiana. He was, uh, or he, I think he might still be committed to Arizona State. Um, uh, big time linebacker. Um, you know, I uh, quite a bit of big offers. I expect him to uh, sign with Arkansas as well. Um, you know, I, we Arkansas's only got four spots. I see. You know, I feel good about Toby's Weathersby from everything I've seen and heard. Um, I think Arkansas gets the two visitors that visit this week, Brandon Scott and Kendrick Jackson. So that leaves one more spot. You know, I, I think from KJ and I, um, you know, visiting this week, it pretty much eliminates them, even though they, um, you know, they said it's between Ohio State, Alabama, and Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So there's one spot. So uh, comes a player we've talked about all year. His name's Dominic Reed. Um, you know, I know he's still got some stuff to take uh, care of in the classroom, uh, in particular a class, um, a math class to 
qualify for SEC um, schools. But um, he's kind of a guy that blew up, and I think his grades were kind of holding him back um, uh, from getting all the offers. But he's recently got Oklahoma, Texas offer, Auburn offer, a Florida offer. And so he's just waiting for that Arkansas offer. You know, if, if Arkansas has that spot available, you know, I, I would, you know, I'm not definitely, I don't get paid the big bucks like Coach Bielema, but, you know, he's a guy I wouldn't mind seeing the staff take a chance on him. He runs a 4-3, high vertical. I'm not saying he's Julio Jones, but um, he's kind of that mold. And Time out. Are you telling me we can get Ed Reed and Julio Jones in the same recruiting <laughs> yes, class? Yes, we can. Actually, the, oh. there's an update posted by Richard Davenport said that Dominic Reed said he'll probably make his college decision on Tuesday. The finalists are Arkansas, Auburn, Arizona State, and Texas. Oh, so he does have some big-time offers. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a guy, and, you know, honestly, he's a four-star on 24-7. If he would have, you know, had his uh, – took care of his classroom stuff before, you know, had everything. His grades wasn't an issue. He's a guy that I could have seen, you know, maybe being a high four or five star um, as far as the JUCO ranks. I mean, he's out, if he qualifies and makes it, um, he's a guy that comes in and plays right away, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, Colby did some uh, intel for us. Uh, we've got a, got a recruit interview, Colby, if you want to lead into that. Yeah, we had TJ Smith out of Georgia. He came on. He's a... a one of the recent commits, a defensive end, um, you know, just a great player, and, and we'll let you listen to that now. Today we have on Arkansas's newest commit, T.J. Smith, out of Georgia. Hey, T.J., thanks for coming on with us tonight. Hey, no problem. Hey, first of all, congrats on the recent commitment to the Razorbacks. Uh, what was it that ultimately led to your, you deciding you wanted to become a Razorback? Well, you know, I, I knew football would be there. Um, you know, I knew that would always – you know, the, the football side will always be taken care of. But me going and seeing uh, the business school and the business connections, you know, you know what, uh, you know, the business school, you know, Walton, the business yeah. school could do for me was really the, the, the deciding factor. Um, so that's that's what really helped with the decision. And then second, you know, like I said, I knew football would be there. Um, they're really going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about, you know, of course, the, the business schools there. I mean, you, that's always something you got to look at, you know, not on, only uh, your football career. You always got to look at, you know, after your football career is over, whether it's after the NFL or college or whatnot, you, you know, have to decide what you're going to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Most definitely. And, um, you know, just the, the direction they're going in really helped, um, you know, with them, you know, uh, winning that bowl game this year. And, you know, how things are changing there. You know, I believe um, they did a thing on, I think I think it was on ESPN, where it, you know, showed how there were 12 plays out of making the playoffs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's huge. And uh, I feel like, I feel like, you know, Arkansas's upside is just, you know, it's it's ridiculous. Those, you know, they, they got a, a really good chance of being really good this year. And, um, you know, the people there are awesome. Um, everybody's supportive of what's going on. Um, everybody's positive. It's just a great environment to be around. Um, and I know a lot of, you know, you hear recruits talk about, you know, you think of Arkansas as just being some rural area. What did you think when you got to Fayetteville? Or before you got to Fayetteville, what were you thinking, uh, what, what it was going to be like, and were you surprised when you actually got to Fayetteville? I thought it was going to be, uh, like, kind of, before I, before I came, I honestly thought it was going to be like a ghost town type area. I didn't think it, you know, it was going to be real, I thought it was going to be real small and everything. But when I got there, um, it, it was the perfect, kind of the perfect fit because I, I don't like real big towns and I don't like real small towns, but Arkansas is a good in between. You know, it's a, it's a bigger place with that small town, that small, small town feel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and it felt, it felt, it felt like home, you know, almost, you know what I'm saying? Um, it wasn't, you know, it, it didn't have that, you know, this is too big for me. Or it didn't have that, well, bang, whatever it do. Yeah. I mean, um, that's the same with me. You want to, you know, live somewhere where you can still go do some stuff, but you don't want it, you know, too crazy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, most definitely. But, uh, you know, I definitely felt like home when I went. And, um, you know, that that was also a part, of, a part of the thing that made me commit. And, and Coach Seegers, he was your lead recruiter, right? Yes, sir. You know he, he'll be my position coach, and he he's recruit he's the um, one recruiting me. And um, you know he's done a real good job. Uh, he's here every week. You know every week he's he's in Um You know every week he he can be. So uh, and that's huge. Uh, really made me feel wanted. Um, and uh, 
you know, that that's that played, that's that also played a big role in it. You know, just feeling being wanted. Um, and uh, he made me he made me a priority. How important was that for you know? Sometimes you say you're you know the person recruiting you is not going to be your position coach. How was it? How important was that that your uh, actual recruiter was your position coach? Uh, it helped us build a relationship. I know what I'm I know what I'm getting into when he's coaching me. Um, sometimes you you'll get recruited and you never meet the coach who's going to be coaching you, so you don't know their style, you don't know what they're like, you don't know who who they are. But you know if you got a coach and you know who he is. You know how he's going to be coaching you, then you know you you know how you how you're going to respond and how you want to respond, and that also plays in your decision. You know, if you, you know, I tell any anybody, if they got a school recruiting them and your position coach is not you know active in recruiting you, don't go because you don't know what he's like, who he is, you know you don't know anything like that. But me and Coach Seagrass, we're real close. I know everything about him. He knows everything about me. I know his style. And um, I like his style of coaching. Yeah, I mean, besides your, you know, maybe Coach Herbert, you know, that's probably going to be the coach you interact with the most. That that too. That too. Um, you know, what I was told and what I've been told in high school is when you go on these visits, make sure you meet, make sure you, you know, meet and build a relationship with the strength coach and your position coach. Because, the, you know, and a somewhat relationship with your coordinator. Because, I mean, besides those guys, you're not dealing with anybody else. Exactly. Um, those those are the people you're dealing with. Um, every you know every coach has got their got their job, and if you you know if if you're not in their category, you know you you know they won't be dealing with you. You're dealing with guys that are your position coach or your training conditioning coach, and sometimes the coordinator. So I, I definitely kept that kept that in my mind when I was there. And um, me and Coach Herb, we we spent a lot, spent a lot of time together. Um, uh, got to know him real well. Got to know his style, um, and with him, like I really trust him. I trust Coach Herbert uh, to transform, transform um, not only my mind. Not, I mean, not only my body, but my mind. Um, so, as far as as far as uh, training goes. And, and have you have you met any? I know you you were just visited last week. Did you did you happen to meet some of the you know current commits that are already signed and on campus like you know Will Gregg or Yelda Froholt or Jalen Merritt? I, I did get to meet some of those guys. I met what's the quarterback's name? Um, Ty Story. I met him. I met uh I can't pronounce his name. He's from like Denmark. Um, uh, Yelda Froholt. Yes, I met him. Those were the only two I met. Um, they were real nice guys. Uh, um, just real nice, real nice guys. Got to meet with them. That's definitely a plus. I imagine you know, seeing some of the guys that you know they've already went through, started school, and um, went through some workouts, and to already get to interact with them uh, before you actually enroll. Yes, sir. And you know that's one thing I I loved about visiting there. Whether it was guys who were um, you know early enrollees or guys who had been there for three or four years, everybody loved it. Everybody loved University of Arkansas. Nobody wanted to leave. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I've never gone to a school and seen that. That everybody, everybody loves it. Um, you know, it's a lot of guys. You know, they'll miss home, and you know, it's, it's not bad to miss home every now and then. But uh, it's a lot of guys. Um, you know, they they want to they want to go back or they talk about other places. But University of Arkansas, everybody loved it. Um, and speaking, you you talked a little bit about the fans earlier. Have you heard the hall call yet? Yes, sir. Uh, and that was huge. Uh, I went to the catfish hole um, to eat, and here there are uh, about about forty forty fans in there, and they all stand up and start hall calling while I'm going to sit down, and uh, that was just amazing to me. Yeah, what would you think about? It? I know it's probably you know a little different um, uh, on the outside if you've never heard it before or been you know experienced it. I, I loved it. I freaking loved it. Um, that's what you meant. I love everything about the place, but I I, I really loved it. Yeah, we actually had Yelda Frohode uh, from Denmark on, and um, you were talking about him earlier. But he said the same thing when he heard the hall call. You know, he just he loved it too, and and a catfish hole as well. It's, that's place that's kind of came famous over the years uh, for, you know, where they take the recruits to. Yes, sir. You know, um, I, the fan base there, you, ne- you would never think it would be like the way it is. But people, 
people love football there. And that's one thing I, I really wanted in my decision is I wanted to choose somewhere where people love football. Um, the prior school I was committed to, people didn't care if you played or not. <laughs> I mean, um, but here, people, I mean, well, at Arkansas, people love football. And um, it's just it's just different. You're treated different. You're thought about different when the community surrounding you thinks of you as a priority. And they think of you, you know, they, they, they love the hard work that you put in. They understand what, you, what you're going through. But if you're at a place where they, you know, they can they can care less or they don't care, then it's just different, you know. Yeah, you know, I'm sure as a player, you you don't want uh, fans, you know, only be there when you're you're doing well or you know whatnot or the team's doing good. And and uh, so I imagine, like I said, that was definitely a plus. And it, as you've probably been told, Arkansas, you know, they don't have any professional teams, so the Razorbacks, you know, you know, everybody follows them and um, statewide, and, and that's everybody's team pretty much. Yes, sir, and uh. I, I do recognize that, and that's huge. Um, that's that's real big, because um, that means you know the big the biggest things, the biggest the, big, the two biggest things in Arkansas is is Arkansas football and Arkansas basketball. <laughs> when it comes to you know, and then and then track's big there too. So I mean, I, I definitely love that. Uh, I definitely love it. That's huge to me. Now, now uh, right now you were um, you're gonna play start out at defensive end. Am I correct? Yes, sir. You know, that's been a good position for Arkansas the last couple of years. Uh, Chris Smith uh, got drafted, and then, um, you know, Trey uh, Flowers is going to be drafted this year. So, you know, it's definitely got to be a, a plus uh, your way. Oh, it definitely is. Um, but, uh, you know, the biggest part with my position is um, I'm ready, I'm just ready to work with Coach Segrist. You know, he's been to the league. He's got a lot of coaching experience. He knows what it takes to make it to the next level, and he knows what it takes to be a, a great defensive lineman. And um, I'm just ready to be like a sponge and, you know, suck up everything I can as far as, you know, technique and information and, you know, just everything. I'm just ready to, you know, get get with him and learn learn everything I can um, and just, you know, see if I can be a difference maker. TJ, have you uh, thought what you're going to major in and, uh, when you get to U of A? Or? Uh, business. Um, besides football, what are some of the other hobbies you, you do? Do you play basketball or anything else? Or? I do. I do play basketball. Uh, I like to fish. Um, I like to go to car shows every now and then. Um, I like to play video games. Um, also, also have a slight addiction addiction to online shopping. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I just like to hang out with friends. I, I love to, and I, I love to hear you know hear people talk. Love to learn learn stuff and just hear about experiences and things like that. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know, uh, you're talking about fishing and, um, and stuff. You know, I, I think Arkansas is definitely a place. You know, uh, you would love for that. Most definitely. Most definitely. Hey, um, TJ, we appreciate you coming on uh, with us tonight. Uh, really appreciate it and the best of luck uh, as you continue your career with the University of Arkansas and so on. Thank you. Thank you. Again, more good stuff. Colby, making it rain. And uh, yep. T.J. Smith, thanks for coming on. I was going to say one thing about T.J. Smith. Uh, you hear yep. Coach Bielema talk about uncommon players. Um, and you listen to T.J. Smith, just a well-spoken guy. You know, he definitely fits that uncommon mold that Bielema talks about. Fantastic. Yeah, I know you said he, I know he's, he, was, he seems very all-hog. He's very big on the hog. Yeah, he, he he loved the catfish, how he loved the fans. He just, you know, he said he just loved, he loved everything about it, the coach and staff and everything. And then Coach Segrist and um, um, I can't think of his name, the running back, Joe Thomas did a really good job uh, getting him on campus and getting him to commence. I'm kind of like Logan's dad on this. I, I love a guy who's all hog. Uh, any guy who just, just is fired up to be a Razorback, I'm for. Well, it was a great show, guys. Uh, we got two really good interviews in. We got T.J. Smith and we got Murphy. We got Murph Baldwin in, so that was good. Um, can't, can't can't thank these guys enough for coming on with us. Uh, Murph, pleasure to work with you. Would love to love to get together again sometime. Um, and yeah, that's our show. We got two big basketball games next week, and obviously signing days next week, right, Colby? So yep, we'll, we'll have a bunch of stuff coming up in the next week. So look forward to getting with you guys. And we might actually have a recruiting uh, uh, 
special episode coming out on Wednesday. Yeah, so keep in touch on Twitter or Facebook, and we'll be posting updates uh, as we figure it out. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening as always. Y'all be good. Thanks.